Hey y'all, this is your girl Lola Love. Welcome to season two of the Atypical Social Worker Podcast, hosted by, dare I say, your favorite social worker and sometimes socialite. Here to help you reimagine the social work platform while being dedicated to helping you stand tall in the field. And with that sound, you know what time it is, my good people. Class is officially in session. Again, welcome to season two, episode one of the Atypical Social Worker podcast. If you are joining fresh from season one, welcome back and thank you for your continued support. If this is your first time joining, welcome to the community. We love new faces. Please make sure you connect with us on social media at atypical underscore social underscore worker underscore podcast on Instagram or check out the website www.atypicalsocialworker.com. So before I introduce this week's featured guest, please indulge me for just a few minutes because I just want to talk to y'all. I miss y'all. I miss the community. Recording is really just a point of peace of mind for me. It is a little bit of self-care because I kind of get to get out some of the feelings that I've been carrying all week. So lately, I've been focusing on the word change a lot. Um, Change is something that, I don't know, has just seemed to be a theme for me personally, for my friends, for my colleagues, really for the nation and for the world. And I've been thinking about something my grandmother used to always say, which was the only thing guaranteed in life is change. And she was right. Like she really, really was right with that one. As a kid, I think I used to like shrug it off and just like, yeah, okay, you know, yes, things change, big deal, build a bridge, get over it. But I'm realizing that change has a lot of different functions for one, but that some change is welcomed, some change is not welcomed. Some change is expected and others is not expected at all. But ultimately it's how you react to that change that determines if you are just surviving or if you are thriving. And I don't know about y'all, but I wanna thrive. I just don't wanna be here surviving and holding on. I truly, truly want to thrive in my life. I wanna be happy, I wanna be healthy, and I wanna have a continued fulfilling career. So the past few weeks, I've been transitioning back to work. I currently work a hybrid schedule and it's been interesting to say the least. I didn't realize how comfortable I had gotten over the past six months with not having to commute to an actual building or be amongst other professionals or sit in an office for eight hours. So that has really just been different. Um, I do enjoy the interaction of my colleagues and meeting new people and, you know, honestly connecting with people that I have talked to virtually for like the past two months. It's weird to like have spoken to them, but now only be meeting them for the first time. So it's been kind of cool. It's been an experience. But also stepping back on the college campus, which is where I currently work, 
college life is just so different right now. Like, I kind of feel bad for the freshmen um, that have started this fall because the way in which college or the college experience has been or was in the past is just totally different. And so I commend them for stepping up to the plate and deciding to continue on with their education. And I truly hope that things get better so that they can experience all of the energy and excitement of what it means to be on a college campus. In addition to that, I've been working to expand the service side of the Atypical Social Worker brand. So I definitely have some fun things in store um, coming throughout this season and some new information that I'll be dropping soon, but definitely feel free to check out the website. This has been honestly a dream of mine since since graduate school and those who are close to me know the passion that I have for education and for honestly just empowering people to just be who they want to be unapologetically and just going forward with that goal and that mission in their life and just being the best them that they can possibly be. So I'm super excited about that, but I'm not going to lie. I'm exhausted, (laughs) y'all. I have been working nonstop around the clock. And although it's rewarding, it's also tiresome. And I can't wait to take a vacation. So I need this covid and all i need this stuff to hurry up because i need to be on somebody's beach relaxing in the sun and this is just not it it's starting to get cold in buffalo and i just need to be under the sun i don't feel like i had a summer so that's also difficult because normally i leave the summer and enter the fall feeling like full like yes i had adventure i had excitement i had friends i had family and this summer was just different it, it wasn't devoid of all those things, but it just, it wasn't the same. And so I'm trying to figure out how to get comfortable and embrace that and be okay with transitioning into the season of fall without feeling like I've had a really full summer. But anywho, um, the last big change in my life <laughs> is, I mean, some of you may already know this, but So I graduated from my social work program in 2012. I've been working in the field for eight years. Um, I was never really interested in clinical social work. And so for that reason, I don't know, I just never felt a draw or a push to have to get my L. And lately due to some personal things with my family and just close friends, I'm feeling a push towards clinical social work. And I definitely need to make that first step in getting my L. So I've been studying. I'm taking a course right now. I'm preparing to take my L. And it's exciting, but honestly, it's very nerve-wracking. Some days are better than others. Some days I'm like, oh my gosh, I waited too long. This is not going to happen. And then other days I'm like, yes, this is like riding a bike. It's all coming back to me. But I just ask that y'all keep me up in y'all prayers, keep me on y'all mind. If y'all know some tips or tricks, if you've taken your L already, definitely DM the Instagram page or email, you know, email me and I would love to hear like your tips and tricks because I'm trying to stay encouraged. 
um, amidst being a full-time professional and having so many other things going on. And it's just hard, y'all, sometimes. Like, sometimes it gets really, really hard. So, but I'm sure I'm not the only one who has experienced change. So as I close out this segment, I encourage you to DM the Instagram page, email us at www.atypicalsocialworker.com, which is actually the website, but you can email us from the website, or you can just straight email us on Gmail at atypicalsocialworker at gmail.com. And I would love to hear how things have changed in your life. I would love to hear how you are adjusting to the change in your life or maybe how you're having a difficult time adjusting. Remember, we are a community. I am here to support you. And I hope that in return, we can have a dialogue. Hey, y'all. We have this week's special guest here, Tiana Hill. Say hey, girl. Hi, guys. And we are going to start off by playing a little game that I like to call 21 Questions. So this is a game where I go first and she goes second. But we'll basically talk about a few different categories and she'll tell us what her preference is. So before we get started, Tiana, have you ever played like any version of 21 Questions before? Yeah, but it was called This or That. Oh, that's new for me. I never heard it called this or that, but I guess that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Okay, so here we go. So I'm just going to start calling out random things and basically you know what to do, this or that. Okay, but let's do it. Soda or pop? Soda. Corner store or bodega? Ooh, bodega. (laughs) Hero or sub? Carol. Beyonce or Jay-Z? Beyonce. New York City style pizza or Buffalo style pizza? New York City style pizza. Come on now. L. L. <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> the original. Quarter water or huggy? Ooh. Quarter water. Quarter water. <laughs> Sucker or lollipop? Lollipop. Hmm. Texting or a phone call? Sting. Cheetos or Doritos? Doritos. The red kind. You know what? I actually <laughs> don't like either one of them because I don't like artificial cheese. It's it's so weird. Like um some nacho cheese. Some nacho cheese Doritos, you put that in your sandwich, you are bugging. Nah, ne- never, never that. That <laughs> won't be me. <laughs> you missing out. All right, last but not least, Lucky Charms or Fruit Loops? Lucky Charms. Yeah, yeah, I'm in a Lucky Charms mood too, so I, I can go with that. So let's see, if you had to put a title on that category, I know it was all over the place, but what would you categorize that? list the whole list of mm, my interests your interest okay so that was 21 questions with Tiana Hill and her interest <laughs> well in other news so we basically started this episode by talking 
over the last two months, you've definitely undergone some big changes yourself in life. So let's just jump right in and talk about the changes that you have experienced. Um, You can start by telling us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so hi everyone. My name is Tiana. I'm um, from Brooklyn, New York, in New York City. Uh, I came to Buffalo for undergraduate studies at the University at Buffalo. In my undergraduate career, I studied psychology and social sciences interdisciplinary community mental health concentration. I am a big mental health advocate uh, that actually pushed my desire to join the social work program. Um, I'm a foundation year student. First semester, it's been a lot, but I'm excited for the journey. That's what's up. So, okay, so you mentioned you are a first semester student. So talk to us a little bit about how that process has been. Like a lot has been going on like in our country, in the world. And I definitely feel like it impacts education on different levels. So what has your experience been like being a first semester graduate student? Yes, definitely. Um, I'd like to say, first of all, with the pandemic, I know that the the hold on the world has just stopped a lot for everybody. For me personally, I felt it first in my undergraduate career, but um, for the social work program, I feel like it's been a big factor into how our curriculum is shaped right now. Um, For the first day, I believe the orientation day it was, we had a discussion where we talked about racial bias. Uh, which I'm sure was uncomfortable for a couple of my peers, but it's a conversation that needs to be had. So while everything is like, you know, with the pandemic, um, it is pretty unfortunate. It's encouraging a lot of conversation that was, that needed to be had for some time now. And I'm actually pretty excited to see how this will be shaped into like the future curriculum, how I can use this current experience as a future social worker and how we can actually change the social work field with this experience. That's dope. So like the conversation about racial bias, like how did your professor go about doing that? Was it like a class already focused on that topic or did they just say, boom, it's a first day class. Let's let's not pretend that things aren't going on. Let's talk about it. Right. So this was actually, it was an assignment that was assigned like over the summertime. So incoming students were expected to watch this TED talk. Um, I'll actually send you the name of the the woman that, that made the presentation, but we were expected to watch this TED talk. And basically there were some guidelines saying like, boom, watch this, remember it, get your ideas out of it. We're going to talk about it the first day. So like it was actually expected. It wasn't like just unfolded upon us um, the first day. It wasn't by surprise, Um, but it was actually interesting to see like people's different perspectives, to see my professor's perspectives, those who are white, those who are non um, people of color, uh, my peers to see what they would say about this. Um, And it was actually a lot of interesting conversation concerning the topic. Were there any points during like the open dialogue where like, I don't know, um, obviously it is an uncomfortable topic um, for like more so for some people than others. But like at any point, did someone like have an emotional outburst or kind of like, you know, need to take a five minute breather or, you know, I'm just thinking about some of the courses that I took in undergrad where you know, those topics came up, even though the course wasn't focused on that. And I just remember Mm -hmm. stuff getting heated sometimes. Yeah, actually, that would have been interesting to see. 
it honestly didn't you know there wasn't any emotional outbursts but i feel like what really surprised me was the fact that everyone was so engaged and so ready to jump on the topic and actually acknowledge that you know racial bias exists if it's not within each person is is within our families you know we have friends who think um who have racial biases it's in the schools and just the fact that um along the conversation we actually talked about how our curriculum could be biased amongst people of color mm. and to hear that my professors actually had some thoughts about that and you know they found ways that they that we could overcome it just to just to see that people were actually acknowledging it and not just putting it on a back burner because I've seen plenty of times where people would say yeah there's racial differences but I don't have white privilege like I definitely heard a couple of my <laughs> students say that before so it it was actually interesting to be in this setting in this academic setting in this profession that's you know is predominantly white mm-hmm. and to see that people were actually talking about it and acknowledging that this is real this is what needs to happen and this is how we should fix it in our community yeah i mean that that's really exciting um having been a student in the same MSW program that you're in a few years ago um well more than a few years ago at this point but <laughs> i i remember taking certain classes like diversity and oppression where that was the focus of the class but unfortunately i can't remember too many times outside of that course where we just had very candid discussions on race and systemic oppression and mm-hmm. implicit and explicit bias and so you know those are things that i think that naturally you would assume are always talked about in a social work program and right. to reflect on that now as someone who has you know been far removed from that for a little bit of time and you know living in the day and age that we're living in it's just it's good to hear that those candid discussions are now happening Um, Mm -hmm. And I I hope that they continue to happen uh, because they're much needed. Definitely. So tell us a little bit about your transition as a senior in undergrad. You mentioned that really everything with um, COVID-19 started to impact you, obviously, your senior year of um, undergrad. So how was that transition and like transitioning into a graduate program? Um, So just the start of it for like how it was for many, it was very abrupt. It happened just a week. No, actually not even just a week. It happened the week of spring break. So, you know, it was expected that we would leave with SUNY, you know, big SUNY. Like they like to keep things in a bag. Like they, they probably <laughs> would have been. I, it was expected that, we, you know, they would handle it, but I didn't expect to leave for spring break and to just not return back for the rest of my senior year. That meant throwing away graduation and throwing away any like senior brunches, like just things that happened during that closing chapter. So it, it definitely was abrupt. Um, and in terms of preparing for graduate school, like I don't really know what I could say, what I expected for graduate school aside from what I would be learning. I would say that it, it, it definitely increased an expectation of how will the social work program uh, attack the effects of COVID? I would say that. But in terms of learning, like I've, I've never been in a graduate program before, so I wasn't sure how exactly they were gonna operate. Were we gonna be back on campus? Is it safe to go back? Um, UB is a 
it's a pretty big school. Mm-hmm. The lecture halls hold at least 300 students. So I, I'm pretty sure like by that time, by August, I was like, yeah, that definitely might not happen, especially because rates were skyrocketing. People are coming back from vacations. Like we're still traveling despite being on lockdown and things like that. So I wouldn't really say like, yeah, it was just, it was, it was a bummer, but just the fact that I had been on hold and I had not returned back to campus since March, it wasn't much of a surprise that I wasn't going to be on campus for my first semester. Mm-hmm. So I guess this is like twofold. So in terms of like applying to graduate school and stuff like that, with the way that your senior year just abruptly ended, had you already started like the application process to applying to grad school, like before things ended? Or did you kind of like have this epiphany while, you know, like you were finishing out your semester um, back at home that you were like, you know what, I want to go to grad school and I want to apply to the MSW program. Right. Um, I had that, like, everything was figured out. Thank God. Everything was figured out before the lockdown was instated. So I had already submitted my applications. I was accepted by February um, because I applied for the graduate opportunity program. as an educational opportunity program member and undergraduate, I had the opportunity to ap- apply for that. So I applied for GOP um, and it had early admission. So like the, ad- the admission date was actually earlier than the regular admission date for the UB School of Social Work. So I was in by February and I already had that locked in by the time. That's awesome because like you said, you know, between March and April, like things in New York State were just very chaotic and overwhelming. (laughs) And so I'm glad that you had that stuff worked out, you know, ahead of time, because I'm sure that sort of eased your attention because I'm sure you had peers that unfortunately, you know, were just considering graduate programs or the next chapter in their life, you know, when when everything went on pause. So I can only imagine the difficulty. So why social work? so sure so as I said before um I'm a big advocate for mental health that would definitely I would definitely say that played a big factor into it but also just ever since high school I've been really invested in working in the community around me um just the the involvement that I had like it's pretty much strengthened my passion for social work I hadn't really settled on it until my undergraduate career, but I'm I'm gonna break it down. Like, I'm gonna give you a timeline. <laughs> so in high school, <laughs> in high school, um, I actually was part of this this program called Teach for Tomorrow, where I would go to like middle schools and um, elementary schools within Brownsville, the Brownsville community in Brooklyn. Uh, we would teach under not undergrad. <laughs> we would teach elementary school and middle school level kids, uh, just tutor them in math basics. Um, basically basic subjects like that and ever since that I've just been really invested in the community to be honest in volunteer work my undergraduate career I joined a couple programs um, a couple clubs where I would be able to volunteer in the Buffalo community Uh, I engaged in research where I was able to interact with refugee um, the refugee population specifically Somalians just observe their transition into America but also like I gained a a volunteer opportunity out of that but also in my undergraduate career 
I thank you, B, for introducing me to my home team, Gamma <laughs> Kappa of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Yes. It's a public service <laughs> organization. Definitely, definitely, definitely fulfill my love for community service. So I'm thankful for that. And just everything that I've just been involved in has just been basically a buildup. Like it, it's made me realize that social work is actually my call. That's so dope. I mean, it's it's amazing to step into a degree program or a profession and realize, you know what, this is my purpose. This is what I'm here for because so many people go to college and graduate and get like a dead end job and, you know, realize five to 10 years later, this is not what I want to do. So um, social work is obviously not for the faint of, of heart, but we need social workers. Um, I feel like these past few months have proven like the if no one thought social workers were needed before or didn't know what we did. Hello. (laughs) They know now. They definitely know now because (laughs) social work is a profession. Like usually I explain it to people like it's the business of people and people are everywhere. And we, you know, will ultimately always be everywhere on this planet. So, you know, it's important to have people that take the time to understand people's needs, wants, emotions, feelings, mental health statuses, um, because those things can go unnoticed, unfortunately, for a lot of people. And sometimes it's too late, you know, when someone does start to pay attention. Yeah. So that's, that's what's up. I'm like, this is great. Like, so even amidst all of the chaos and craziness, it definitely seems like so far your transition to graduate school has been I would say a a general average experience, you know, like maybe you're not on campus, but it doesn't seem like there's been any like curveballs or anything like that. No, except for it's a lot of reading. It is a lot of reading in graduate school. Yes. I was about to say, girl, that's grad school. (laughs) (laughs) That definitely, I remember transitioning from undergrad to grad and I remember like, wait, we don't have tests? Like, like what's going on? Like, right. you know, um, <laughs> lots of papers, lots of reading, lots of group projects. Um, you still will have teachers that, you know, will give you a pop quiz here or there. But for the most part, it, it definitely is reading, writing and dialogue, which yes. I don't think that's too bad. I am seeing that 100 percent for the first is we're in week four right now. The first three weeks, you know, I was pretty like, I'm, I'm pretty good at time management. So I was just balancing everything pretty well. I was like, oh, this is relaxing. But I also, I'm also an anxious person. So I felt maybe this is the calm before the storm. Week four, I'm definitely seeing this storm approaching. I have like three papers coming up already. I see that I have an exam coming up in two weeks. I'm just like, I'm the panic is starting to set in, but I'm trying to remain calm. <laughs> So how, like, what do you do to sort of keep calm when you know you have all these like looming deadlines and stuff like that? Right. So um, for that, I try to stay organized, as, as organized as possible. So, you know, I keep a planner around. I have my calendar. I'm very big on visual. I need things in my face to remind me. So if I don't have my uh, my duties listed on like a whiteboard, it's always on my calendar. There's a schedule plastered out on my work area. There's things written on my desk. Um, I have it on my phone. Like it's, it's just plastered everywhere. Just re- um, constant reminders. 
I also like to keep a clean space. If there's a cluttered space, I'm gonna have a cluttered mind. I'm gonna freak out. So I try to keep it as clear as possible, as organized as possible, but also engaging in self-care. Um, I try to, you know, repeat to myself some daily affirmations, look at inspiring quotes, try to remind myself of pos- to stay positive and just keeping up with looking like myself. You know what I mean? Like not looking like what I'm going through right now, because if I do, then it's just going to be a lot easier for me to fall into the rabbit hole and start freaking out. That's that's really good advice. Um, organization is definitely key. I definitely echo a lot of what you said. I'm also a very like visual person, so mm-hmm. I do have to have like reminders plastered everywhere. I have, you know, my planner is color coded because it helps me to like focus my attention on certain things. Right. So I definitely, um, I think you're also an amazing start. Like as long as you are organized, that's usually like half the battle. Um, sometimes when people aren't organized, like that's the thing that defeats them. It's not that the program was hard, but it's just that they get a certain amount behind and just can't catch up, unfortunately. So So what expectations, um, if any, do you have of your graduate program um, in regards to like addressing the current two pandemics that people are referring to? So, I mean, really like two epidemics because um, yes, COVID is worldwide, But as people have explained it in the news, um, you know, the things that we're dealing with in the United States in terms of like racial injustice is more of like a localized thing. So Mm -hmm. um, what expectations do you have for the UB School of Social Work to address these things? Um, So I'd say like the orientation day, you know, encouraging those uncomfortable situations, those uncomfortable conversations. Um, And honestly, opening, just leaving a common ground for people to be able to be open with their discussion. And I mean, like, allowing the students to listen to both sides, not just the side that the world wants to hear. Right now, nobody wants to be, well, some people, most people don't want to be on the wrong side of history, but it is also important to listen to the other side. So I do feel like the School of Social Work you know they have that platform to be able to do that and i am expecting them to do that like they did on orientation day so that would have reached level one of my expectation but also for the school of social work to own up to the biases that they do have um there is a document going around you know you you definitely you sent it to me Mm -hmm. uh that the phd students they organized you know, just listen up. The, there's a list of demands that they have in regards to how UB addresses, well, the School of Social Work specifically addresses racial biases and justices and things like that, and how they can make it more comforting for students of color on campus. And since I am, I have been a grad undergraduate student of color on UB's campus. I can say, I can vouch for the fact, the um, the idea that it's not as comforting it's not it's it's not as welcoming for um students of color because of the fact that it's a predominantly white institution um there was an incident on campus they shut down all program all uh greek orgs that's that's another story but (laughs) just the fact that (laughs) just the fact that students of color are not you know it's just not very welcoming here so just the um I expect that the School of Social Work would be open 
to acknowledging that there are biases that are alive and taking place on campus and those things need to be fixed. We need to um, introduce these ideas into the curriculum and just, yes, making those changes. Um, with the pandemic overall with COVID-19, I think that the School of Social Work should pay attention to how the government is uh, handling everything. Um, it's not well. <laughs> and it, it's a known fact. I've, I've seen studies of other countries just looking and basically like just shaking their head at us right now. So I feel like as social workers, it's as future, as a future social worker and as a for UB, in terms of UB, um, a platform that's guiding the future social workers, they should take these things into consideration. Put that into the curriculum and show us and guide us on how we can make it better, how we can avoid situations like this, how we can make students of color feel more welcomed at predominantly white institutions and organizations and, you know, not, not further the word that I'm looking for just not pushing it to the back burner you know like not treating not kicking people water down especially for like low income and um low income low income residents who are feeling the pain of the pandemic right now or for people of color well specifically black people who are feeling both pandemics mm-hmm. you know having to deal with COVID and racial injustice yeah, like, so a lot of what you speak to definitely sounds like macro level social work um, and right. just being aware. And the one thing I do remember that was discussed a lot um, when I was in the graduate program was that there's just not enough social workers involved in macro level work. A lot of times no. we see the end all to be all the social work as being that micro level so that like person or practitioner a client, you know, direct interaction. And, and very much so, we don't realize that, yes, while having that micro level interaction is absolutely important, it, it impacts people on a one-to-one basis. At the same time, there are still these larger looming policies um, that tend to be dealt with on a macro level that impacts even our micro interactions, you know? So, I mean, healthcare policies, um, you know, social welfare reform things like that that like you said like with covid and the amount of people that have lost jobs or been laid off or definitely had a significant income loss like those policies matter you know how our government responds to the financial needs and healthcare needs of you know the people in this nation absolutely matters but if you don't have people in places of policy reform that actually care about people and not just headlines um absolutely yeah it's very easy to like lose sight of what's really supposed to be happening in those spaces right and it's also important to increase you know relatability put more people of color within the field let's emphasize them why do i have a white teacher telling me about you know trying to teach me about a policy that affects people that look like me. It's important to have that relatability within the field, not only within just within the school, but also, as you said, like in um, macro level work, working in these organizations, these are the people 
and I'm not just talking about just with black people, but just, you know, people of color overall or people who have been through these experiences, people who have been able to observe these experiences and its effects, have them in the field. These are the people that we need on reforming these policies and creating the policies that'll help make a change. And so I definitely agree with you there. Like, I, I, I won't debate it. So <laughs> we, we definitely need some... Um, representation in macro level social work and mezzo and in micro but especially in macro so if you are listening and you are considering the field of social work if you are a social worker and you know you're black or brown um definitely consider macro level work definitely consider those dual degree programs that will allow you to work in those spaces um like msw mph programs msw jd programs um i have a few friends that have done you know both and they're definitely like it put them in some spaces that that really will impact us on a policy level so i want to shift the conversation a little bit if i can I kind of want to shift to a little bit of a lighter topic, Um, a little bit humorous. I'm going to poke fun at myself a little bit, I guess, but (laughs) I also want to get your insight. So so I have a little funny story to tell real quick. Um, So with like things slowly starting to transition um, to a new sense of normal, because I don't necessarily think things will ever be completely the way that we used to see them, but... One of the things that has, you know, over the past few weeks, I've finally gone back to the office and I forgot what it was like to, one, get in my car and have to drive somewhere, um, (laughs) and two, like, figuring out what the heck I was going to wear to work. That is literally the bane of my existence right now. I'm (laughs) so stressed out about it. Um, I definitely gained the the quarantine 15 or COVID, whatever they're calling it. I gained it. So (laughs) Labor Day weekend, and I don't know why Labor Day weekend, but I was literally, I woke up in the middle of the night, stressed out, like just shot up in the middle of the night. And I just rolled over out of my sleep and then went on, um, I won't name the website, but I went on an unnamed website and ordered like 11 pairs of uh, black biker shorts slash leggings. And I literally have no idea why, because I can't wear that to work. Like I I can't show up to work (laughs) like that. But I- 11 though? 11, yo, I'm so embarrassed. Like I was telling my cousin this and she was like, like, why did you do that? Return everything. And I was like, I should, but I realized that over the past few months, I've like, I have like cultivated what I consider like comfort wear and I'm not ready to give it up. Like, I'm just, I can't give it up. (laughs) Right. Like who cares that Buffalo gets like, is like 40 degrees by September 15th. Who cares? I want to be comfortable. Yeah. I have to be comfortable. Like it's so, it's so weird, but like, (laughs) so I, you know, it sounds like most of your classes are, you know, online and things like that. But when you do have to get dressed, What's kind of like your go-to sort of like comfort wear, you know, whether it be cozy because the weather is changing or just like comfortable so you can like stretch in it, you know, those sorts of things. Uh, so number one, and I hope I'm not alone on this, I'm not wearing any pants <laughs> for most of my Zoom meetings. I'm not going to lie. 
no pants are there. Um, but at the top, I am usually wearing, uh, it gets a little breezy in my room, so I would wear like a sweater, maybe a crew neck. I love the fall, so I, I was pretty excited to bring out the hoodies, but beforehand, the first couple of weeks of classes when it was still scorching hot, um, I would wear just like a regular t-shirt, um, but for work, I would wear like just a button down. Still no pants, but a button down, just look a little more professional up, um, from the top. The, the screen visible area. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I definitely feel you on that. Like, I think that was also the hard transition of going back to work. Like, I too have not worn pants in like six months. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm used to only getting dressed from like the waist up. And I'm just like, right. this works. And now to have to like put on pants and put on shoes and socks and all this, it's just, it's a lot. It's, it's just, it's a, yeah. A lot um that is the one thing that I can honestly say I will miss about this time of quarantine like I didn't mind having less clothes to wash and <laughs> not yes. wasting outfits for no reason or you know or also so I call myself like um a sometimes socialite because I I like to be around people but then like mm-hmm. sometimes I am like I need an excuse so I don't have to go. Like, what can, what excuse can I think of? And right. the quarantine just provided endless opportunities of me saying, like, I don't have to go. I actually can't go. You shouldn't be even doing this event at all. So, absolutely. Same. <laughs> Same. <laughs> so, last but not least, um, I just want to ask you, as a new social work student and a future social worker, Um, As someone who has finished their undergraduate degree, what advice would you give to um, someone who, one, is in the senior year of their undergraduate program or someone who is looking to transition into the field of social work? Okay, so for undergraduates, I would say definitely try to get things done in advance. Um, of course, there's a deadline, but you never, 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 ever, fall, well, let me not say never, never say never, <laughs> but try not to fall, fall under pressure um, for to procrastinate. Try not to procrastinate. That's basically what I'm trying to get at. Um, it's very deadly. You'll find yourself and you'll end up doing things last minute. Um, nobody wants to try to get a personal statement in on the day of the deadline. That's just not ideal. Um, and also you want to give in your best work to show them that you are the best candidate. You're always, you always want to try to go for the best. So I would say definitely try to get things done in advance and you'll leave a lot of time for yourself in the end. Um, for those who are joining the social work program, I would say definitely pace yourself. Uh, the two years I'm in my first semester, my first year, first semester, and I already feel like the two years are going to go by fast. So definitely pace yourself, try to enjoy the moment, live in the moment, um, take in every minute because after these two years, you're going to go into the field. That's when the things start. So take all of the information in and try to internalize that. Everything that they say or that you hear about, well, I don't want to say everything that you hear about social work, but everything that you will learn about social work in the program will be very useful in the future. You can definitely incorporate that into how you interact with your clients, how you build these policies, 
how you work out with these laws and, and so on and so forth, but also just how you treat other people on an individual level. So definitely pay attention to it, pace yourself, try to stay organized, definitely maintain self-care because it can be a lot. Um, I'm already, I'm only in week four and I already see that it's a lot, but try to, you know, it's, it's important to not stress yourself. Um, take care of yourself and yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely, thank you for that advice. Um, it's great advice. Thank you for your time and for being um, so open and honest about your journey thus far um, in the MSW program. We really, really appreciate it. And I'm sure that listeners who are considering social work or are in social work um, or in school of any type are really, you know, also grateful for you, for your time and for your honesty. Um, so final, final thing. Um, if people wanted to connect with you on social media, um, if they had some additional questions, where can they find Tiana Hill? You can find me on Instagram. Um, it's, you might want to get a pen and a paper because it's going to be kind of difficult. But my user, my Instagram username is AU79 underscore M-I-N-D. Uh, you could just go ahead. If you have any questions, feel free to email. You can also email me at Tiana, T-I-A-N-A-H-I-L at buffalo.edu. Feel free to email me if you have any questions. Um, I can give any advice on time management, uh, organization skills, how to just stay organized. Um, if you have any questions, feel free to email me. I'm, I'm an open book. I'm always willing to help people and I love when people are open to learning more. Well, guys, that's all for today's episode of the Atypical Social Worker Podcast. Remember, for everything, there is a season, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to harvest, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, and, well, a time to start grad school. Some of life's changes will have lifelong impacts, and others will only impact a season of your life's journey. Remember that. Embrace the season you are in and take heed to the lessons it will teach you. To those of you continuing or embarking upon your educational journey this fall, I wish you all the best. And remember, you've got this. I know the semester started off a little rocky and you may have had to deal with a lot of unexpected changes, but just know the field will be better because you are in it. So keep going. I also know that most of you are busy with papers, projects, case notes, and everything else us social workers have to balance from day to day. But don't forget to self-care. And when you do, do us a huge favor and check out the Instagram page at atypical underscore social underscore worker underscore podcast. We would love for you to engage with us. Check out Tiana's Y video and share your own. We would absolutely love to hear from people in our community. Check out the Instagram story for fun polls and other ways to connect further with the brand. Also, as a tidbit, starting this season, you can always leave a voicemail with questions for this week's guest or share your reactions to this week's episode. So we would love to hear from you on that note as well. So until next week, remain atypical yet intentional. Peace. Lola loves.